Hi, this is Dean Sykes, and welcome to Discover Your Destiny. I believe we each have a destiny, something singular and specific we were created to discover and then fulfill. For me, I discovered my destiny at the conclusion of a very painful season of my life. I came to the end of myself and realized that my best option was to bury pride, look to heaven, and then ask for help. The Bible promises us that if we ask, we will receive. So when I asked for help, the Lord answered my prayer. When He did, He awakened my sense of destiny and turned my misery into a ministry. This book has been used to help many people just like you discover the very purpose for their existence on earth. The first step in discovering your destiny centers upon a personal relationship with Jesus, who is the Son of the living God. I'm not talking about religion. I am instead speaking of a relationship with the one who loves you more than words can express. As you read this book, you are one day closer to the moment when you will stand before God, and in that moment he will either welcome you into heaven, or he will command you out of his presence and into hell for eternity. Where you live throughout eternity really is your choice. Before you discover your destiny, you must first discover the one who gave you a destiny. There is no other way to fully walk in your calling absent from that calling and your life being in the presence of the living God. The Bible encourages us in Romans 8.31 that if God be for us, who can be against us? I tell you today, God is for you, and he wants you to know the destiny for your life. The Bible also promises us that we, if we believe in our hearts and if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. That's in Romans 10.9. Salvation truly is this simple, believing and confessing. It's not something you and I can earn, and it's not for sale. It is instead a free gift. Our responsibility is to choose to receive it. Are you ready to discover your destiny? If so, I pray that before you enter into this pursuit, you will choose to receive the priceless gift that God has for you, the gift of eternal salvation. If you are ready, I'd like to invite you to confess the following prayer out loud so you can hear your confession of faith. Lord Jesus, I believe you are alive. And I believe that you have a dynamic plan for my life. I come to you today in faith asking you to live in my heart. According to your word in Romans 10, 9, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you, Jesus, are Lord of my life. I believe, Father, that you love me so much that you sent Jesus, your only son, to earth to live and die for me. And Jesus, I believe that you love me so much that you willfully chose to die on a cross for all of my sins. I believe that God raised you from the grave, and today, according to Acts 7.55, I know that you are alive and at the right hand of the Father. Today, I make the choice of a lifetime. I choose you, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior, because I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you are Lord of my life. Today, right now, I am saved. And I thank you for saving me, and I pray this in Jesus' name. If you have just prayed that prayer at this instant, according to Luke 15, 7, all of heaven is having a party. Now that you have made the choice of a lifetime, I believe you are now better prepared to fully discover your destiny. Let's get to work. Before I discovered my destiny, my life had no rhyme or reason. I was empty and miserable. 
I could find no lasting peace and nothing seemed to fulfill me. As a junior in high school, I failed PE. Not because I wasn't athletic, I was. I failed PE because I chose not to dress out. I reasoned that since I knew that I had no intention whatsoever of pursuing a career in athletics, I therefore had no reason to get hot and sweaty in the middle of the day. At the end of that semester, my reasoning gave way to the reality of my attempting to explain to my parents how I failed, arguably, the easiest class in high school. Through that conversation, I learned in life that if we do not pay the price, we will pay a price. Throughout the remainder of my teenage years and into my 20s, I lived a lie. On the outside, I appeared to have it all together, but inside, I remained empty and miserable. Day after day, I found myself aimlessly wandering through life with no defined purpose and no direction. Maybe like you, deep within my heart, I knew that I was created to accomplish something specific. And yes, even something dynamic. I was consistently on a search to discover the purpose for and the value upon my life. Knowing that there was something for me to do proved to be both, well, inspiring and frustrating. I was inspired knowing that there was something awaiting my full attention, yet frustrated because I had no idea how to identify my life's work. Realizing my dilemma, I surmised that I needed help, or it was very likely that I would live the remainder of my life going nowhere quickly for the simple reason that I did not know where I was going. I knew that I had to discover my destiny. When the frustration became too much, I could take no more. I turned to God and asked for direction. Why him? Why not some other person, belief, or institution? For me, I turned to God because I remembered that as a young boy, my parents taught me that he loves me and that he has plans for my life. Maybe you're familiar with Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Even though I was working and making some money, I easily could have been the poster child for a directionless life. I was learning that relationships, money, and the things money can buy would, in and of themselves, never fulfill me. In my moment of desperation, the search I was on led me back to my roots. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 22.6 that if a child is trained in the way he or she should go, when that child is old, that child will not depart from the way. When I turned to God, I had no idea how to talk with Him, so I tried something brand new. I tried just being honest. I talked with Him like I would talk to my closest and best friend. I shared my heart with Him, and then I listened. As I drew close to Him, just as He said He would in James 4.8, He drew close to me. The more time I invested with God, the more peace I experienced, and the more direction I received. In January of 1993, this direction led me to create an outreach to teenagers. I began to travel and share my testimony with high school students who came from all walks of life. As I progressed, God continued to supernaturally show up in my life, placing me in divine appointments that were leading to the moment that I would come face to face with the clarity of His plan for my life. There was one appointment in particular that made such an impact upon me that I marked this occurrence at the point in my life that led me to my discovering my destiny. On Sunday morning, February the 13th, 2000, I was seated in my customary spot at our home church in Tennessee. 
My wife, Lori, and I were just completing our Sunday morning routine of getting our kids situated and entering into the worship service that was now underway. Without warning, the power in our church building went out, and within only seconds, the emergency lights dimly lit the church auditorium. Refusing to quit just because we had such a limited amount of natural power and energy, our pastor led us into the supernatural presence of God through corporate worship. As the service continued, he introduced a special guest to our congregation who had traveled some 12,000 miles to talk with us about our personal destinies. After the pastor's introduction, Mr. Peter J. Daniels confidently strode onto the stage, politely acknowledged the introduction, and matter-of-factly instructed the audience to be seated. Through the years, I had heard of Mr. Daniels and for some time had had a desire to hear him speak. Now, through a divine appointment, there he was, just a few feet away, speaking to our church family. Within seconds of Mr. Daniels' opening remarks, it became obvious to me that we were listening to someone the likes of whom I had never heard nor met. Truly, he was in a class of his own. He had my attention from the beginning. He repeatedly asked question after question of the audience. The first one was very simply, but yet terribly profound. It caused me to think and begin to take inventory of my priorities. It's a question that I encourage you to ponder also as you seek to discover your personal dreams and ultimate destiny. What is this mountain you want? The question Mr. Daniels repeated while at our church seemed easy enough to answer. Easy enough until I felt convicted in my heart that my answer was one that did not please God. If it did not please God, it therefore could not please me. And so I made the decision to invest the necessary effort and time to review my life. When I began this review of my life and my motivation to motivate teenagers and adults, I was already eight years into speaking with students on a full-time basis. Yes, I had spoken with hundreds of thousands of people. I had a daily radio program, and I was in newspapers and on television. But still, there was something missing. At the completion of my time on stage, audience stood to their feet. They cheered. They even asked for my signature on the covers of one of my books. Yet there was something missing. Over and over, I wrestled with identifying this missing link. More times than not, each time I would walk off of a stage, I would hear the still, small voice of God ever so gently speak to the core of my heart. It was as if he was pleased with my willingness to go wherever he said to go. But the purpose for my going was not being fulfilled. Therefore, the tugging at my heart, the void of fulfillment. No matter how grateful the audience, the applause of man could never drown out that still, small voice of God. In his infinite wisdom, God was patiently waiting on me to catch up with his plan and his purpose for my life. He was nudging me toward the moment where I would discover my mountain, my destiny. So, after making the decision to define my personal mountain, I set out on a journey. This journey of discovering was at times enjoyable, yet at other times it was pure misery. There were days that I did nothing else but work on the journey, and there were days that I refused to even think about my destiny. There were moments when I shared my progress with my wife, Lori, and our closest friends, and there were moments when I shared nothing at all. On more than one occasion, I quit the process altogether, too frustrated to make any sense of that which I was undertaking. It was at those moments that the love, compassion, and belief of my wife served as the motivating factors to get me back on track and continue to push forward. I revisited my formula and asked myself some tough questions. 
I looked at every microscopic area of our outreach and ministry. Lori and I talked through our motivation to do what we do. And most of all, we just prayed. I cried and poured out my heart to God. More than anything else, I wanted to know the answer to the question Mr. Daniels had posed. What is this mountain you want? Then it happened. God's presence came into my office during a meeting I was having with a couple who love God and who have a unique gift to help people identify their strengths and weaknesses. God gave me his answer to the question I had been wrestling with for so very long. His answer? He never intended for me to be a motivational speaker. His plan from the beginning of time was for me to minister. For me, ministry was the key to fulfilling the void I had experienced for so many years. When the answer came, I knew that I had identified the missing link. I had received my personal destiny, and I had identified the mountain of which Mr. Daniels had spoken. As the presence of God filled the air in my office, I was no longer traveling in the valley of uncertainty. I was instead living my very own mountaintop experience. Believe me when I say that the effort you invest into identifying your personal destiny cannot compare to the benefits you encounter on the mountaintop of personal discovery. It has been said that success is the willingness to bear pain. Anyone who suggests that the process of discovering one's personal destiny is not at times painful, well, they're just simply wrong. And anyone who says that this process is more than simple is likewise incorrect. At some point during this process, you will experience pain. When you do, smile. Because it is at this point of pain that you are only a segment away from your personal breakthrough. When you begin to sense the frustration and pain, press in like never before and believe God to keep providing answers. We are promised in Jeremiah 33, 3, that if we call on God, he will answer us. Here's what his word says. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. It is now time to offer you this formula for discovering your destiny. My formula is not some magical or mystical equation that in and of itself will transport you from where you are to where you want to be. In defining your personal destiny, I do not have the answers for you. I do, however, have the questions. It is when you answer these questions that are found within the formula that I'm getting ready to offer you. At that moment, in that process, God will awaken within you the singular purpose that will validate your very existence. The first question in step one is, from your perspective, what do you perceive to be society's greatest challenge? The second question in step one is, if you could do one thing every day, as long as this one thing is legal, ethical, and moral, what would you invest your life in? Please take note that in question number two, I asked you, how would you choose to invest your life? not how would you choose to spend your life. There's a broad gap between spending and investing. You see, we spend for the immediate, but we invest for the future. Can you find some paper and a pen? Maybe sit in front of the computer? Write down your top five answers to the two questions that comprise the first step that you will now take in defining your destiny. From your perspective in life, what do you perceive to be society's greatest challenge? List five. If you can invest your life in doing one thing every day, as long as it is legal, ethical, and moral, what would it be? 
list those five. You've now just completed the first step. Let's move on to step two. Take a moment and read back over the answers that, that you wrote down and choose the one answer from each question that most accurately captures and communicates your response. In other words, I'm now asking you to prioritize your answers. So let's do that. From your perspective, what do you perceive to be society's greatest challenge? Choose the one out of your five. And then, if you could invest your life in doing one thing every day, as long as that one thing is legal, ethical, and moral, what would that be? Choose your top answer from your five. Let's now proceed into the final step of my formula by joining your two prioritized answers into one plainly stated statement of purpose. Merge your two answers from steps one and two into one sentence that defines what it is you are destined to accomplish. It is during step three that the fun and excitement of discovering your destiny comes alive. You now have something with which to work in, and it is now my pleasure to prove to you by using myself as an example that written before you by your own hand is your very own personal destiny. Let me now work through my own formula step by step, and when I've completed step three, you will see this purpose for which God placed me on the earth. Step one, answering these two questions. From my perspective, what do I perceive to be society's greatest challenge? My five answers are one, poverty, two, people discovering their lives have a destiny, a purpose and a value, three, people making harmful and hurtful choices, four, a godless society, and five, laziness. If I could invest my life in doing one thing every day, as long as that one thing is legal, ethical, and moral, what would it be? And here are my five answers. I would talk at length with those who have attained greatness in life. Two, I would help finance the gospel. Three, I would become involved in politics. Four, I would travel, meet teenagers and adults, and empower them. And five, I would play golf. Step two now, I'm going to prioritize my answers. Without fear of contradiction, step two will prove to be, and it should prove to be, the most difficult process of the entire formula. Why? Because somewhere within step two, you must become, perhaps more so than at any other time in your life, uncompromisingly honest with God and with yourself. It is at this point that you must check your motives and your motivation. You must again and again ask yourself the question of why. Why did you pick the two answers you chose? Make no mistake about what I am saying. By answering the question of why, you are now entering into a relentless pursuit of the truth. When you discover this truth, your answers will directly affect the remainder of your life. I again and again reviewed my answers to both questions in step one. After a very prolonged period of time in prayer and thought, I finally had peace in my heart that I had, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, chosen the two answers in step two that best captured my heartfelt response to the questions in step one of the formula. Here are my answers. The single greatest challenge I see teenagers and adults discovering for their own lives what their purpose and value are. Outside of my time with God and my family, my answer to the second question in step one is, I would very much enjoy having the opportunity to travel, meet teenagers and adults, and empower them. I have now prioritized my two answers, which is step two. 
And with this process successfully completed, I am now well on my way to the final step in my three-step formula. Remember, step three is pulling together of your two answers into one plainly stated statement of purpose. Another way of saying it, step three is seeing the fruit of your labor, your destiny defined. Here is my ministry, my personal destiny, as a result of the formula. I travel, I meet teenagers and adults, and I empower them to discover their destiny, their purpose and value. Do you see how my formula worked? If it worked for me, it will also work for you. I would suggest that after you know what your destiny is, there are four new steps that you must take as you launch out and now begin to live your destiny. Here they are. One, search the Bible for scripture upon which you can establish what you have now discovered as your personal destiny. Two, make the decision to be true to your destiny. Three, set goals, short and long term. And four, plan your work and work your plan. Search the Bible. The Bible is the best-selling book of all times. Through it, we find life, power, love, forgiveness, and direction. It was after I discovered my destiny that I quickly realized how important it was to establish my life and new direction on a sure foundation. It took very little time for me to see that the surest foundation available to any of us is the Bible, God's Word. As I read through chapter after chapter, I asked God to reveal a scripture to me that would give life and credence to my destiny. I was diligent in my quests, and my diligence paid off. He led me to the book of Ezekiel. When I came to chapter 3, my heart began to beat a little faster. Here's what verses 10 and 11 say. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you, and hear with your ears. And go, get to the captives, to the children of your people, and speak to them, and tell them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. When I read those two verses, I knew that I had just been given what I call my covenant commission from God to go travel, meet teenagers and adults, and empower them to discover their destiny, their purpose and value. If days get tough, or if I ever question my desire to keep on pursuing my destiny, I simply open my Bible, turn to the book of Ezekiel, go to chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, I then read them. As I read, a smile comes across my face, and I am again reminded that I have the spiritual authority to pursue my God-ordained purpose for living life. I really do believe that you finding the scripture upon which you stand is the single most important step you will take after you have discovered your destiny. Invest some time and search God's word. He is not hiding anything from you. He's hiding his word for you. After you have completed your search and have your scripture or your scriptures, on that same space where you wrote down my formula, write down the scripture, the scripture reference that God gives you for your destiny. Be true to your destiny. Now that you know what your God-given destiny is, it becomes essential that you make the decision right here, right now, to be true to your purpose in life. Never deviate from what you know to be God's destiny for you. Since more copies of the Bible have been sold than any other book ever printed, a safe and certainly persuasive argument could clearly be made that contained within the two covers of the Bible are principles that work for people who choose to work the principles. In the Bible, we find that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Here's what James 1.8 says. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. 
This double-mindedness will cause you to become unstable, and if you are unstable, you most likely will bounce from college major to college major, from job to job, from opportunity to opportunity. You know what your destiny is. Now make the decision to forsake all other opportunities that do not directly assist you in fulfilling it. When I am offered an opportunity to go speak somewhere, I can assure you that if it does not line up with and align itself with my destiny of traveling, meeting teenagers and adults, and empowering them to discover their destiny, their purpose and value, I very graciously decline the opportunity. Why? Because I refuse to be a double-minded man and thus unstable in all my ways. Peter Daniels looked across the audience at our church and said, Permanence is the only real measure of success. In other words, your destiny must be something that outlives you. For me, the permanence of my ministry and destiny is what you're hearing today. My Discover Your Destiny book. That which you define as your permanence for your destiny will lead you to the quiet satisfaction of personal fulfillment. Set goals. Goals are the mile markers of life. They are the nuts and bolts of your destiny, and goals are essential in the process of bringing tangible and measurable results to your purpose and value. In life, nothing ever becomes dynamic until it first becomes specific. Therefore, in order to accomplish your destiny, it is imperative that you set goals that will help in the navigational process of reaching your full God-ordained potential. Helen Keller was once asked, Is there anything in your life worse than you being blind? She immediately responded with, Yes. The questioner then said, What could possibly be worse? Death? To this, Miss Keller gave an answer that goes to the heart and soul, I believe, of goals and destiny. She said, No, I have figured death out. The one thing worse in my life than my being blind would be the morning I woke up, put my feet on the ground, and came to the harsh awareness that I had awakened that morning having no vision. Show me a blind person and I will show you an individual who can still have a crystal clear vision for his or her future. On the other hand, show me someone with no vision, no goals, and no set direction in life, and I will show you someone who is going nowhere quickly. Remember Proverbs 29:18, where there is no revelation, no vision, the people cast off restraint. Remember, I'm talking with you today from very personal experience. Years ago, as I was reading, I found a quote that kind of speaks to the importance of each of us setting goals. The quote was, He that aims at nothing hits his target with remarkable accuracy. In the past, you may have set goals. And like me and countless others before me, maybe you too have fallen short of your objectives. That's okay. Show me any person that you deem highly successful, and I will guarantee that somewhere in that person's life are goals and objectives that were simply missed. We are human, and by nature, we were created to be dependent upon one who is greater than the sum total of all of his creation. God never expects perfection from us. He knows that in the end, we are, in and of ourselves, never going to arrive at utopia while on the earth. He does, however, desire for us to let go of yesterday and to keep pressing toward our destiny, daily striving for excellence. How do I know that this is what he wants for you and me? I can read. This is Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I remember being told many times while growing up that if at first I didn't succeed, I was to try, try again. In a sense, that's what I'm saying to you right here, right now. If at first you do not succeed and reach all of your goals, don't give up. Instead, look up and try again. Take a moment and go back to step three of my formula and look at your destiny. Now take the next step and think and pray about some definitive goals that God would have you set and find that piece of paper again and begin to write down those goals. As you write the goals down, right beside them, write due dates that are reasonable according to your lifetime and schedule. As you see before you the goals and the corresponding dates by which you desire to accomplish these goals, it might become necessary to change how you invest some of your free time. Remember, by discovering your destiny and putting together these goals, you are doing today what others will not, so you can do tomorrow what others cannot. Work your plan. You now arrive at the final step that I believe must be completed prior to you launching out and living a life of purpose and value. It's one thing to discover your destiny. It's one thing to find your scriptures and to set goals to accomplish your destiny. But all of the work you have undergone so far in this process will not produce your desired results unless you develop a plan of action, plan your work, and then work your plan. The journey of a thousand miles begin with the first step. Because of your commitment to discover your destiny, it is my belief that you have the seeds of greatness within your heart to take the next step and begin working towards the successful accomplishment of your goals. The final question posed by Peter Daniels while at our church was, What makes great people great? He answered his own question with a simple yet very profound statement. What makes great people great? They have a sense of destiny. Do you want to do great things that have a lasting and powerful impact upon society? If so, then plan your work and work your plan. It truly is that simple. Think about those throughout history whom our society has named truly great. Each of these men and women had a sense of destiny. Noah had a sense of destiny when he built an ark prior to there being any rain. Moses had a sense of destiny when he led six million Israelites out of Egypt and into their promised land. Esther had a sense of destiny when she was told that she had arrived at the king's palace for a time such as this. Jonah discovered his sense of destiny in the belly of a big fish. Samson arrived at his destiny when, with all of his might, he pushed against the pillars. King Solomon had a sense of destiny when he asked God for wisdom to govern his people. Zacchaeus had a sense of destiny when he climbed up into a sycamore tree in an effort to catch a glimpse of Jesus. Paul had a sense of destiny when he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament of the Bible. In more modern times, George Washington had a sense of destiny when he chose to accept the responsibility of becoming the first president of the United States. Betsy Ross had a sense of destiny when she knitted the fabric of a nation together in the form of the American flag. Gandhi had a sense of destiny when he said, hatred can be overcome only by love. Roger Bannister had a sense of destiny when he ran a mile in just under four minutes. Mother Teresa had a sense of destiny when she so eloquently communicated what I believe to be her most endearing statement. I do not pray for success. I ask for faithfulness. 
Senator Kennedy had a sense of destiny when he said, some people see things as they are and ask why. I dream things that never were and ask, why not? Walt Disney had a sense of destiny when he said, get a good idea and stay with it. Dog it and work at it until it's done and done right. Dr. King had a sense of destiny when he stood at the mall in Washington, D.C. and declared that one day my children will be judged by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. And finally, hanging on a cross for every person that would ever breathe a breath of air, Jesus had a sense of destiny when he died for you and me. It is now your turn. It is your turn to step up to the plate and swing for the bleachers. It is time for you to do what you know to do to make your mark upon this world. Do you want to be listed among those who are truly great? If so, then have a sense of destiny. You have now been offered a time-tested formula to discover why you were put on the earth. It is my desire that as you hear my words that bring this book to a, a completion, you will do so with a heightened sense of expectancy because you too positively know that you have discovered your purpose in life. You have discovered your destiny. As I close this, may I pray with you? Father, you know who have just listened to this book. And you know where they are. And you know what their destiny is. And I join my faith with them that as they, Lord, pursue this destiny, they'll do so with diligence and they'll make a mark for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.